We did two jobs on Monday. This is just for one crew. We did two jobs on Monday, one job on Tuesday, two jobs on Wednesday. So they're working from, they're getting here 5.45 in the morning and they're getting home. They're getting back to the shop to unload the, the debris around nine at wow. night. Nine and at night? Nine at night. And then, you know, awesome. yeah, and then probably getting home at 10, 10, 15 and then up at 4.30 or five to start again. Yeah, so this week we've done one crew in five days is, is doing uh, eight jobs. That's crazy. Welcome to the Landscape Cafe, brought to you with support from Fort Myers Garden Service, maintaining and protecting business and residential landscapes. Visit fortmyersgardenservice.com or call 239-990-7494. All right, so let's go ahead and get this thing started. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Pretty good, man. How are you? Good man, doing well. Excited to be uh, in the office for another day. I uh, was running around this morning, um, but uh, came back into the office now that it's pretty hot outside. The weather's starting to cool off, but mid middle of the days are still pretty warm. So uh, it's nice to get a little office time in the middle of the day. Um, thanks for giving me a tour of your place. So um, everybody that's listening, you want to share a little bit about your shop? Um, talk a little bit about what you got going on there and how you kind of run your production on a day-to-day basis yeah so it's honestly a a consistent tweaking like i i feel like i'm i'm always moving things around and trying to figure out what's going to be the best setup for the space that we have uh for the volume of work that we do realistically like and i don't, I don't remember if we talked about this uh maybe a couple months ago but i i was weighing my options of is it worth keeping the shop and the overhead that it costs me because there are local supply companies and there's a lot of other fence companies in town that they place all of their material orders through a local company and they send their crews every morning to the local supply house they get their trucks loaded up and they go to the jobs so they are able to save on all the overhead that I have to pay with a physical location, a person in the shop to pack jobs. Um, And so they're able to have a lot lower overhead and be able to get jobs done a little bit cheaper, but it comes at a cost because the supply house where you go get the material for one, most of the time they mess your order up. So if your guys don't catch it, then it's it's an added expense of having to bring materials out. And a lot of times it ends up being they don't have it that day. So you have to make extra trips up, trips up to the job. Um, it's a little bit more frustrating for the people that work for you because like my guys right now, they show up to the shop at 630 in the morning and we get them loaded and get them out the door by 7 to 730. At the supply house currently the, a lot of guys aren't even getting out of there to go to the job until one o'clock in the afternoon. What? One o'clock in the afternoon. Holy so, cow. That's, that's the day yeah, is almost not, over at that point. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty nuts. Um, but there's so many companies that run like that. A lot of the subcontract crews, that's just kind of what they come to expect. But that also ties in a little bit to like my view on the business to me, if I can, um, if I can create a better workplace environment and a more uh, easy way of working and way of life for my guys and make it easier on them, that's going to make them want to stay with me. That's going to make them want to continue to work with me. And hopefully that attracts better crews, better, you know, so it's kind of a, a selling point for me to hire and find right, like good guys. 
Mm-hmm. But it is, it is. Um, so what I what I've been weighing is the cost of having the overhead. I have to do a specific amount of volume through my shop to offset the costs. Right. And okay. What I mean by that is is if I don't have two crews running full time mm-hmm. and because so backtrack a little bit, it's nice to have have it be convenient for my guys to show up and get out and right. get out the door, get starting jobs early and to not have to run, you know, an extra picket or something out of the to the guys. But at the end of the day, if, if that convenience cost me an an extra sixty to seventy thousand dollars, which is about what the overhead is just to run the shop, mm-hmm. if not if not probably more. It's it that doesn't make sense, you know. It's it doesn't make sense to just make it more convenient on my guys and lose seventy to eighty thousand dollars. So the shop does become beneficial, and having a physical location does become beneficial when I'm able to do larger volume because then I can order. And when I gave you a tour of the shop, I have quite a bit of material here right now, probably around two to three hundred thousand dollars of material, and that allows me to purchase one directly from larger suppliers mm-hmm. so I can get better discounts. And sometimes if you think about it, if I have $200,000 worth of uh, materials here and I can save 10% buying directly through a larger manufacturer, that's $20,000 right there. That's crazy. So the question is how quickly can I move that material? Because mm-hmm. if it takes me, like I said, for simplicity's sake, say running the shop costs uh, $10,000 a month having the physical location. Mm-hmm. If it takes me a whole year to get through $200,000 of material, then essentially I'm paying $120,000 for the shop, mm-hmm. I have savings of 10% on my materials, which is $20,000. Mm-hmm. Right. right, okay. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. So would it, so then it wouldn't would it make sense? You'd have it to yeah, move it more than that. Yeah, so, so I have to figure out where's the balance of how much material do I have to move and how many crews do I have to put into production to make yes. sense for me to keep this. So like I think right. if it was you or somebody else, but I, I've, for a while I was really going back and forth. The fence before the hurricane, the fence market had really slowed down quite a bit for two reasons. Um, I think it's been kind of flooded with fence contractors. So we've had a lot of fence companies pop up over the last few years. Mm-hmm. So the work is obviously being split between more people. Right. And, um, so because of that and a few other factors, it had gotten a lot, a lot slower. And so I, I was doing all the math and these numbers that I was telling you, and I'm like, I'm losing money having the shop. So if I either need to downsize mm-hmm. and I can run the same amount of crews and do the same amount of jobs and get rid of the overhead and have my guys go to the local supply house mm-hmm. or I need to scale up and right. start doing more volume and more work. And then as a business person that, that comes into marketing and that comes into, you know, all different of those factors. So trying to figure that out, but the hurricane made it a lot easier decision for me because, you know, immediately there's, 80% of fences down. So the workload is insane. So we hired three salespeople. We hired a new office person. We hired a warehouse person. We hired, nice. so it made that decision a little easier for me on what I, what I was going to do, um, as far as keeping the shop or not keeping the shop. That is awesome. So how much percentage of volume would you say on a normal month you do, um, 
in both prior to the hurricane and then post hurricane. What What do you mean? Just in a volume of work, dollars of revenue, or maybe it doesn't even have to be dollars of revenue or how many jobs per month um, would you do prior to the hurricane? And then how many jobs per month are you doing like post hurricane? Is, so, it, is it a lot more? It, it, yeah, it's, it's substantially uh, more. It's hard to figure out exactly just because it's so early after the hurricane. Right. Um, probably the easiest way for me to quantify it is like, so pre-hurricane, we would normally have about, at any given time, around eight to 10 jobs on the board. As we would walk through those jobs, we would get more, but normally we were in the eight to 15, somewhere in there. That's how many jobs we would have, um, per, you know, at, at any given time. Right. Currently we have, I want to say, uh, around 40 to 50. Um, wow that were but and, and honestly that's that's very small i mean obviously it's significantly larger than we were pre-storm mm-hmm. but that's with like like i said i hired three salespeople, but all three salespeople are uh, people that i know that they came to me because obviously um i the opportunity was there to sell mm-hmm. a lot of jobs but i'm one person and i i was the only one that did sales before the storm right. so there's so much that i could do so i did want to scale and hire some people and i had um people that i know that are in real estate and home inspections and mm-hmm. um businesses that had been affected and slowed down a lot from the storm that were asking me hey do you do you have any sales or anything i could do so mm-hmm. i thought that was a good opportunity so i hired them trained them but now what I'm seeing is, I don't know if it was the best decision because now they're getting busy again. So I've invested a lot of time and energy into getting them caught up with salespeople. And now they're kind of, I'm only getting 20% of their time rather than 80% of their time. And right. so, I'm, so I'm in the process of trying to hire some more salespeople, but to my to the point that you made, 50 jobs on the book compared to eight, that's, or eight to 10, that's quite a big increase, but it could easily be three to 400. Wow. That's crazy. That's awesome. And so how long, how many jobs can you do in a month with, with two crews that you run? So we typically like in the fence industry down here, typically we, if we're doing residential work, it's, it's commonplace to do one job a day. So for a crew of two to four guys, you're trying to do a residential property in one day. Um, nice. this is like, obviously we're trying to get caught up. We have a lot of jobs we're trying to do. So mm-hmm. on my list this week of the jobs, the guys have done, and we did two jobs on Monday. This is just for one crew. We did two jobs on Monday, one job on Tuesday, two jobs on Wednesday. So they're working from, they're getting here at 545 in the morning and they're getting home they're getting back to the shop to unload the the debris around nine at wow. night. Nine and at night. Nine at night, and then you have, yeah, and then probably getting home at ten, ten fifteen, and then up at four thirty or five to start again. Yeah. So this week we've done one crew in five days is is doing uh, eight jobs. That's crazy. Yeah, so That's- so, but but their you know their paycheck for this week is for one crew. Yeah, is almost $11,000. That's that's why they're working so hard. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Well, good good for you and good for them, too. I mean, that's a win-win situation for everybody, man. 
and the homeowners too, I'm sure are so happy because I've heard fence, I've heard uh, homeowners have gotten some fence quotes and they're like, yeah, we can get out there in about a year or so. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that is going to be a busy, busy industry for quite a while. Yeah. The work will be around for, for a decent amount of time. And, mm-hmm. and that's why it's a, it's an interesting conundrum of having, you know, a little bit of a slowdown in your industry and mm-hmm. then over literally overnight have more work than you can ever possibly imagine. And, and there's pros and cons to that, you know? Um, so one thing, and I'm sure you probably see this in your industry too, is, uh, one thing that you see is a very difficult battle to find and retain labor. Mm, you know, right. so whether, whether, you, whether you have employees, subcontractors, everybody's trying to steal everybody's employees. Everybody's trying to do whatever they can to get the labor. And then on the other side, labor is seeing that the demand is extremely mm-hmm. high. So they're upping their prices. So for me, our subcontractors basically overnight told us, Hey boss, uh, we need about 90% increase from what you're currently paying us because we have 10 other people that have called us and that's what they're offering. Wow. That's heartbreaking. That's like, so heartbreaking, frustrating. It's like, Oh man. Yeah, it, it is. And it isn't. So it's, it, I started this business after Hurricane Irma. So I, I got a little taste of it then. Um, I'm getting much more of a taste of it now, but the reality is, and this does sting for the homeowner, is it gets passed to them. So I can't just take that hit. I still, you know, we still have to be profitable uh, to stay in business. Right. So realistically, that gets passed on to the consumer. Um, mm-hmm. And the the thing that's frustrating is not as much, anytime there's a supply and demand um, change, it makes sense for, for your employees and subcontractors to want more money. Mm-hmm. But it's a battle of them becoming greedy or not. Right. That, that That's where it kind of gets difficult. And I'm seeing that a little bit on my end of the greed kind of sets in and rather than being happy and okay with, Hey, we're making more money than we were before work mm-hmm. is easier than it ever was. Like it's a time to get, get good. Um, it's, it can easily turn into them holding that against you and becoming kind of uh, greedy with you. And an example is, I hired a subcontractor right after the storm. The first like two weeks I was calling him saying like, letting him know because we were kind of gearing up for all the work. I was letting him like, Hey, I need to know you're on board with me. I need to know you're going to be able to fill all these jobs. Like you're not going to be working with anybody else. You're just working with us. And, um, so he's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Checked in on two, three times. The very first day that he showed up at the shop to do jobs, he looked at me and said, boss, I got bad news. He's like, I can only do two or three jobs a week for you. And so I, I asked him why, you know, and he said, because he's selling jobs on the side now and he makes more money doing that. Right. So he said, fine. Okay. Like is what it is. I, I understand, but give me two to three days. Like, so two jobs go by, he shows up the shop, looks me in the face, says, I can't do any more work for you. He's like, I make too much money. So I tried to explain to him. And, and hear me out. This is the same guy that two months came to me and said, I'm super slow. I need work. Will you please give me work? Please hire me. Please give me work. Right. So now that that's the greed that I'm talking about where it's like, yes, yes 
he, it's very short-sighted and he's seeing, hey, I can make more money selling jobs on my own and people don't really care that he's unlicensed because they just want their fence up. Right. But in a year, I can almost guarantee you I'm going to be getting a call from this guy like, hey, can you hire me? And he's really burnt his bridge with me because he put me in a very, very tough situation. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a good example, man. I think that is... Uh... That has got to be frustrating. So yeah. frustrating, man. <laughs> so, it's, it's a challenge. It's a, it's a, it's another challenge. So, it, a lot of people I've talked to are like, you know, the storm is is terrible, but you must be, you know, it must be great for business, and and it is good for business. There is opportunity, but you also have to be careful because you can bite off more than you can chew, and really put your company in a vulnerable position if you're not able to. I can sell all the jobs in the world, but if I can't fulfill them and fulfill them well, it's gonna it's it's gonna help me in the short term. I'll make a lot of money quick, but it's gonna hurt the core of my business and what we're known for, which is quality and service and honesty. Right, absolutely. The Landscape Cafe is a production of Pure Landscaping and the Niche Podcast Network. Learn more about Bailey, Katie, and the team by visiting purelandscaping.com. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, the best place to rate or follow the show is at thelandscapecafe.com. Thank you for listening in. Stay tuned for the next part in this conversation.